Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peace builders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities. Eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States. Their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. Hello everyone. Salam. Welcome to She Talks Peace. I'm Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, joining you from Manila, hot and humid Manila. But you know, dear listeners, what's really getting hotter and hotter is the situation in Iran. In the past weeks, we've been getting a lot of upsetting news from Iran uh, over the, the death of a 22-year-old woman Masa Amini, who died in custody in the custody of Iran's morality police for allegedly wearing a hijab, a headscarf, in an improper way, meaning to say that her hair was showing under the headscarf. And those of you who have been following the news um, know that this has sparked mass protests for women's rights in Iran. And uh, there have been reports of more than a dozen protesters killed. We, I mean, I understand that there are even efforts from uh, the government to block people's access to the internet so that um, social media cannot post uh, videos and pictures of, of what's going on. And you know what's even so bothersome, so worrying? The news today reports that the protests have spread to northern Syria. And I worry that it's going to spread even more. Dear listeners, let's keep these courageous women in mind. And remember, the women all over the world who are fighting for their rights as human beings, whether it's in Iran, Syria, Afghanistan, Ukraine, or even here, in our region in Southeast Asia. You know, I recall uh, two episodes ago, uh, episode 57 of She Talks Peace, when uh, Dr. Bing Chan gave us an inside look on her experience advocating for women's rights among what she calls masculinist states of ASEAN. She does uh, acknowledge that it is a struggle. But here in ASEAN, there are some positive developments. According to Professor Chan, the ACWC, this is the ASEAN Commission on Women and uh, Children, is a human rights body of ASEAN. And as such, it is dedicated to studying the particular situation of women and children in the region. Now, each ASEAN member state has two representatives in the commission, one for women's rights and the other for children's rights. And together, they work to end violence against women and children through such instruments as joint statements, declarations, and uh, similar documents. ASEAN, I'm so happy to say, 
is currently developing a regional plan of action on women, peace, and security, which we hope will be approved by the leaders of our governments during their summit later this year. This initiative will certainly encourage and support more women peace builders and civil society to be active in securing, in securing the peace and stability of their communities and countries. You know, in ASEAN, I'm proud to say, the Philippines was the first country to establish and implement a national action plan on women, peace, and security. And this plan calls for supporting women peace builders, women working at the community level. It calls for prevention of harm against them. It calls for supporting their participation. It calls for a support for humanitarian action. The second country to have a national action plan on women, peace, and security is Indonesia. And I'm so happy that today uh, our guest is someone who's also heavily involved in looking at the women, peace, and security situation in her country. Most certainly, our guest for today can share more positive developments, both in ASEAN and her home country. She and I are members of the ASEAN Women for Peace Registry, an initiative launched by ASEAN in December, I think, of 2018 to provide a pool of experts, peace builders, mediators, so that any member country or organization could tap these resources. Our guest today is Ayu Kartika Dewi from Indonesia. Ayu currently serves as special staff to the president of Indonesia, tasked with providing innovative ideas to the president on peace-building efforts and on issues relating to tolerance and social cohesion. She currently works as the managing director of Indica Foundation, a foundation which focuses on creating impact in peace education, a subject that I'm so interested in, and character building. She's the founder of Merancang Indonesia, or Building Indonesia, an organization which encourages youth participation in, in tackling social, economic, and political issues. You know, Ayu has an MBA from Duke University. And before she joined the office of the president, she used to work for the governor of uh, Jakarta. And she also has private sector experience with McKinsey and Company and Procter and Gamble. Now, dear listeners, she may sound very official, but let me tell you, Ayu is down to earth and quite important for a peace builder, very funny. Today, I hope she'll share with all of us her personal experience as a peace builder and her work in building tolerance in Indonesia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, Ayu. Hello. How are you doing, Ayu? I am very good. Thank you so much for the introduction and thank you so much for having me. Oh, most definitely. Um, we've been meaning, Ayesai and I have been meaning to have you on board for quite a while, but you're so busy in the office of the president. And by the way, Ayesa sends her regards. She couldn't make it uh, today as uh, she's giving lectures on uh, on peace education. I don't even know what part of ASEAN Ayesa is in right oh, yeah. now. She I know she's traveling all over. All she has over. sending pictures from different countries. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, Ayu, tell us about your work. What are you busy with today? So, um, well, just like what you've mentioned, so currently I'm helping the president uh, by giving him advices um, on ideas on how we can 
uh, do more peace building in Indonesia. Because of course, when we are talking about peace building, there's always this, um, the, the, the hard aspects, right? The one mm-hmm. that's, that's related to anti-terrorism, you know? Oh, yes. Um, the one that's related to keeping the peace, you know, making sure that there is no riot or there's no physical conflicts. But there's also the softer part, mm-hmm. the one that is more uh, preemptive, the one that actually more fun, I would say, right? Mm. Um, and this is the one that I was that I've been giving him ideas on how we can uh, implement more of this um, in the nation. So, so that's one thing that I'm that I'm doing. The other thing that I'm doing is I'm heading Indica Foundation, right? So there are mm-hmm. a lot of activities in in the foundations, um, and we separate the uh, the activities into two things. The first one is education. The second one is ecosystem. So in education, we educate the youth about uh, very critical skills. Uh, that is important in peace building, which is critical thinking and social emotional. Mm-hmm. Because if someone is not able to think critically, if someone is not able to have social emotional skill, oh, so yeah. it is very difficult for that person to become a peaceful human being, right? Yeah. So we teach this, um, we educate um, the youth about these two skills through many aspects, through many programs. It can be on social media, it can be on Instagram, on YouTube, on TikTok. We also have have, uh, programs that, for example, we are, uh, it's a journalism trip. So we invite youth to join a journalism trip into either post-conflict areas or an area that's really, really good in terms of the tolerance. And so we equip them with skills and everything. Um, and then we 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 help them to experience and interact with the people who've experienced it in the past, so that when they come back, they have a newly yeah. uh, expanded view about about peace. So that's all. Oh, so immersion. Oh, but oh, I yes. before you before you go in, yeah. into that, let's go back to your first uh, okay. current involvement. Okay, I'm so curious, Ayu. Oh, you have a brilliant idea. You want to present it to the president of Indonesia. How do you go about it, Ayo? How do you make the presentation to the president? So I, I guess it's it's very similar, just like whenever we are having a communication with anyone. First thing first is know your audience, right? First thing first, we need to understand who we are talking to. Right. So for example, the type of uh, topics or the choice of words that I'm using with you are going to be very different <laughs> if I'm talking to my nephew, for example, right? Absolutely, uh, yeah. Or if I'm teaching, um, you know, in, in, in a classrooms of junior or high school students, right? Um, and mm-hmm. it's also different when I'm talking to him. So first thing first is understand your audience. Um, and, and, he, and he is a very, very smart guy. Like he gets things up really really fast and he remembers things so i learned that to keep it very simple oh and he's also very visual so mm. i um uh he's very visual and then and then because he he, he grasps things very fast he likes um um uh, messages that is to the point Right, okay. just don't go, don't go around and explain to me about the backgrounds of this and that. He knows. Don't, right? don't be too abstract and theoretical. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know that. So just, uh, t- just tell me what do you think it is. So I've submitted. So usually I've submitted um, in a different forms, right? So either I can talk to them directly, either I can submit a memo, like one or two pager about you know my analysis or ideas. Not the thesis, thesis of 100 pages, right? No, one, no, definitely one or two not. pages only. One or two pages, one or two pages. Well, I would submit it in a comic section, in a, in a comic setting. So I uh, commissioned uh, uh, um, an artist to actually create a comic based on the idea that I wanted to share with him. Oh, that's uh, nice. Or, 
or also I've created some infographic, you know, like so mm-hmm. instead of like very boring and formal yeah, yeah, yeah. memo, uh, sometimes I, I, I format it in an infographic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because, you know, like everyone likes visuals, right? We like visuals. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, Ayu, your approach to the president is also your approach to the young people that you're working with in Indica. Mm-hmm. You get to know them first, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. But and I think the methods that, that, that you use to, to work with the youth. I understand that you even use meditation and mindfulness. What is mindfulness, Ayu? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... Um, So mindfulness is basically something that I recently um, picked up uh, from a mentor. So, uh, w- and when I said recently, it's actually four years ago. So I, uh, I was introduced to someone who eventually became my leadership mentor. And then without me knowing, he's actually a very avid meditator and he learns mm-hmm. mindfulness. So a lot of the things that he taught me was mindful leadership practice mm-hmm. um so he started to teach me about you know like how how to do meditations how to be aware about what we are saying about what is going on in our head about what movements our body is making um what actions do we take if there is this particular triggers And initially, I did not understand what he was talking about, you know? Like, what do you mean by being aware? What do you mean by being present? I don't understand any of those <laughs> words. I thought I speak English, but I don't understand. Um, but then I realized that it's, it's a, a, lot of, a lot of what we are thinking and what we are doing and what we are saying, we're doing that by impulse. You know, yes. we don't really yes. realize what we say. So sometimes, for example, the, the, the words that we say, sometimes we say, um, or are, or, you know, what does it mean? You know, you know what? You know, like some filler words that sometimes mm-hmm. we don't realize. We say it, but we don't intend to say it, but we say yes. it. Yes. Or the actions that we do sometimes when people, you know, uh, talk, they move their hands. Or sometimes when we are angry, we... No say things that we didn't mean or we do things that we didn't mean right and then when we look back when the anger has passed we were like oh my god why i'm guilty of that you i'm so (laughs) guilty of that my children will tell you (laughs) maybe next time i will have podcasts with your children (laughs) mindfulness allows you to think things like that Uh, mindfulness allows you to give space between the trigger and the response so if there was something that is triggering right and then you feel there's an anger and then with mindfulness you can actually choose okay i can feel the anger mm-hmm. i i can feel the anger you know like it is there now i can have a choice on what do i want to say and not say what do i want to do and not do Instead of there's a trigger, I'm angry, and then boom, something happens. Mm-hmm. But there is a space. Yeah, yeah. And this is true for, and this is especially true for, for a lot of things that we are doing, right, Madam Amina? Because right. what we are doing, sometimes it's very triggering, right? Oh, uh, yes. yes. If we are not, if we are not aware, then we can be swept into this emotion And then our entire days basically will be clouded by these emotions or our entire actions will be mm-hmm. clouded by these emotions. And this is also true for the people that we're trying to influence. You know, sometimes people who are doing intolerance act are triggered by something and then they feel the anger, they feel the jealousy, they feel the, you know, that this is injustice. And then they do or say things that if they come back they would, they would think you know maybe in my if i were calmer i wouldn't say or do those things 
you know, are you you're talking about um, mindfulness? It has always struck me that mm. among our ASEAN neighbors, Indonesians are probably uh, maybe genetically more mindful. In, mm. in in my in in all of my interactions with our friends, our colleagues, and our you know our, our partners, you seem to have this characteristic of being more in a listening mode before uh, saying something or, or doing something. And do you remember many years ago when there were some demonstrations which actually uh, created some. Um, some violence. Uh, the Ahmadiyya, the this uh, sect that's not accepted by most of um, us uh, in the in the Sunni in the Sunni faith, um, and leaders, major religious leaders of Indonesia from Muhammadiyya and Nadlatul Ulama came out, had a rally to defend the rights of uh, the Ahmadiyya, even though both Muhammadiyya and Adlatul Ulama disagree completely with the teachings of the of the Ahmadiyya. So this this kind of uh, mindfulness, um, Ayu, is this one of the reasons you think why there seems to be stronger social cohesion in in Indonesia? Or is it something that your government is purposely, uh, you know, moving on, getting people to become more pluralistic. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think it's a combination of both. Um, and if we talk about the people, right, there's always this aspects of cultural background that has been mm -hmm. built for, for hundreds or thousands of years, right? Yes. Um, and in, in the context of Indonesia, for example, um, the the slogan of our country is Bineka Tunggal Ika, which is uh, unity and diversity. So even ah. though we are different, we are still uh, in one. Right, right. Um, so and and it is reflected in 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 a lot of aspects in 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 society, right? If you're if you're going to Indonesia, for example, you can see people who look like me wear uh, headscarves like me, but you would mm -hmm. also be able to see a lot of people who don't look like me and who don't yeah. wear the same um, mm -hmm. outfits as I do. Mm -hmm. uh, and 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 it's blended, you know, the, the, the society is is cohesive and, and, and collaborating together in many aspects of life, in education, in economy, in um, um, informal settings, right? So, so I think the the fact that Indonesia is very diverse, and there is, and and it is interesting that the the founding father actually picked that as our slogan, mm -hmm. because they understand that because Indonesia is diverse, there is no way Indonesia can go ahead and prosper if we don't accept this diversity. Oh yeah, you're absolutely so, right. We have we have to we have to accept that we have to embrace that right um, so 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 that's the cultural part and in terms of the government I think the government is also trying hard to make sure that this building is there in a lot of aspects in our lives mm -hmm. um, so for example if I'm if I'm looking at one of the aspects that touches um, all children in Indonesia education right. So yeah. the Minister of Education, for example, there are there are three biggest uh, sin he said in education. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one is bullying. The bullying. second one okay. is sexual harassment, and the third okay. one is intolerance. Intolerance. Okay. So, and it is great that a Minister of Education understands that, right? Because then we. So me and him and his team can actually start working together on how can we integrate the teaching of tolerance, of peace building into the curriculum, into the programs of, of, of teachings 
into all the children of Indonesia. So it is not there is a schooling and education and there is this peace building programs. No, it is embedded. It is incorporated. Yep. It has to be so, so I think both ways. Yes. Yes. So exactly. are you you're when when you have like teacher training, especially for the public uh, schools, so they do try to hmm. integrate those three those three concepts. That's really fascinating because mm -hmm. you're way ahead mm -hmm. when you're talking about women, peace, and security because you're already talking about sexual harassment. You're talking about uh, about uh, social tolerance and, and cohesion. Bullying. Yeah, yeah, bullying. So maybe that's one of the reasons why Indonesia is, uh, excuse me, the second <laughs> country in Southeast Asia to have a national action plan for women, peace, and uh, security. How's that coming along, by the way? Are you happy with uh, the implementation of the uh, National Action Plan? Um, there's always there's always this notion that we can do more, we can achieve more, we can achieve faster kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, um, I, guess, I guess I'm happy that it's progressing because as you know that creating a progress in an organization a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. ...as big as a country, you know, it takes, yeah. it takes time and it takes a lot of effort and a lot of um, um, uh, agreements from from God knows how many people and how many different institutions to actually move things forward. So I'm, I'm very happy that it's progressing. Your government uh, really engages civil society a lot, right? Not just mm -hmm. for peace building and women empowerment, but very active groups in the area of prevention of mm. uh, violent uh, extremism. Are you also involved in that? Are you? So, uh, in 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 a, using a different hat, yes, mm -hmm. using a different hat because currently I'm I'm usually when interacting with the government side, I'm more using the hat of the staff of the president, right? Mm -hmm. um, but previously, but even since before, I've been interacting, yes, with them in terms from the CSO, um, using the CSO hat. So yeah. With Indica. Um, uh, with Indica and with the previous organization that I started as well, Sabang Rauke, the student exchange program. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, and, and, and what I really, really appreciate, and this is something that I think has been, has been, you know, um, it, it implemented really, really well by the government is that the, the, the involvement of the CSOs are not yeah. just a ticking the box exercises. Oh, good. Yeah. So the, the CSOs are truly involved since the very beginning when the government are looking for solutions, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes the existing problem has already a solution, but the government need to actually intervene to facilitate, to make the solution mm -hmm. get bigger, faster, more efficient, more effective, right? Um, so uh, in looking for the solutions, in um, getting ideas how we can re refine this, replicate this, and, and looking for partners who we can actually co-implement this on the ground. And the, the, the interaction is actually continuous. So it's mm -hmm. not just, because sometimes there are stories right you know like our involvement is just ticking the box oh yeah this cso has came and you know has signed mm -hmm. something and then that's it um yeah and so far at least i'm glad that my interactions 
have not been just ticking the box. That's that's really good to know because I know that our Malaysian friends, for instance, are really quite unhappy mm. about the participation of civil society in mm. you know government-led programs like on on women, peace, and security. They feel like they attend the conferences; they're an audience instead of uh, a partner. And yeah. what I see in Indonesia is there really seems to be a partnership um, between government, civil society, government, and uh, and the religious sector. I mean, by the way, you have two of the largest religious organizations in the whole world. <laughs> with how many is it? Forty million members, and yeah, forty-five million members. Um, that that's uh, almost the population of my country. It's like. 70% of the population of the Philippines are members of two Islamic um, organizations. What has been the, the role of um, the faith-based uh, organizations, the faith-based leaders in promoting social cohesion in, uh, and, and are they supportive of the role of women, for instance, in, in peace and security? Yeah, oh, the role has been, has been integrative. Mm-hmm. Um, in all aspects, not just in peace building, uh-huh. but in all aspects, right? So, for example, um, so I know that the government has been interacting with these two organizations a lot mm-hmm. because a lot of the wisdom, you know, coming from an organization that has been built, sustained, and grown in the past century right um there must be so much wisdom coming from those two organizations right so a lot of the learnings advice it has been given and incorporated whenever government is trying to do um anything pretty much um because majority of the indonesians i think uh, I, I think there was this surveys, right? Like how much, how important do you think it's really just teaching in your daily lives? And uh-huh. majority of Indonesians actually think that it is very important um, on what I, what are the type of food that we eat? What are the type of clothing do we eat? What are the type of schools that we put our children to? Um, so a lot of these aspects are playing role in, in, in our lives. So these two organizations plays a huge role in shaping the direction of 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 the country in a better way, right? So um, so for example, when when let's let's go back to the example of the minister the, the Ministry of Education. Mm-hmm. Um, before we develop the the roadmap for education of Indonesia, we interact mm-hmm. a lot with these two organizations and seek for their feedback you know right. is there anything else that we miss uh, because we are sure that there are a lot of um, as I mentioned before there's a lot of wisdom that has been stored of course in, in the organizations and in the people who are running the organizations so by doing that actually not only and again this is not a ticking the box type of type mm-hmm. of process right because there are there are a lot of collaborations not just attending as an as an as an audience right but also creating this process and programs long term even until now when the, when the program is already running and happening and seeking for input on how we can refine and improve this along the way so the the involvement has been has been very very critical and especially if you're talking about peace building right um, these two organizations are very moderate and very, very looking into unity and diversity yes. kind of attitude. Even though, even though, of course, and of course, this is true in many aspects of life and true also in the aspects of when we are practicing our religion, there must be different opinions, right? But what is great about these two giant organizations are they, they they believe that respecting different opinions are part of practicing the religion. Mm-hmm. So 
even though there are some aspects that are we have a differing opinions right it is my responsibility to protect your right to exercise your opinion right right and, and if we can if we can make sure that you know all indonesians practicing this and hopefully like all people in the world you know regardless of whatever the religion right believing in this i think the world will be a much more peaceful place don't you think absolutely i mean then again we go back to your your, your discussion about mindfulness so our religious leaders seem to really have internalized that they're very mindful mm. they're mm. very respectful they they listen and um, i wish we could export that to the united states to the bible belt that's all i can say about that ayo what do you think is that a possibility or they they'll they'll exercise the muslim ban and and prevent us from going to the bible belt of the united states well i lived in the bible belt for two years how so was it it was fine oh but that was pre-trump are you <laughs> they were very different then it is it is it is it, it can be different it can be different and and the fact that i lived in a in a campus setting society and i think that would that would create some difference as well yeah but but let me share you one anecdotes right and and of course this is like we, we hear this kind of stories from different different places of the world where the majority actually facilitate the minority in exercising or practicing their beliefs so in the campus there is no mosque right mm -hmm. uh in the campus there is no mosque there is there is this one beautiful um cathedral wow. chapel um and during friday prayer the, the 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 noon prayer for the muslims we have to go somewhere right and actually right. you can go to the chapel and yes. in the basement there was this beautiful area big area that mm -hmm. every friday we use it for our muslim friday prayer mm -hmm. in the chapel mm -hmm. so and i think this kind of stories you know we shouldn't forget about it i think it's easy to think that you know like oh in this area in this era you know it's always all bad i wouldn't mm -hmm. say that yeah like there's always yeah. this beauties and and people who are having a big heart and you know understanding that we have a differing opinion on how do we were practicing our beliefs but i respect that i facilitate and i protect your right to exercise mm -hmm. i really worry ayu about the strains of fundamentalist uh Islamic thought that's starting to enter our region. Mm -hmm. For instance, in uh, in the Philippines, in one of the exclusive uh, subdivisions uh, in in Manila, there's a very nice mall called the uh, Green Hills Mall, mm -hmm. and there's a section there where you can buy all kinds of pearls. And it became like a tourist destination. Everybody knows about Green Hills. If you want to buy South Sea pearls, you go to Green Hills. And all of the sellers were Muslim, would you believe? So the Green Hills um, uh, management gave them a space in the parking lot so they could pray. Parking lot. And then later on, decided, let's create a room there, a musalla for them to pray in so that instead of just a parking lot and you put on your your prayer mat there would be at least a separate structure within the parking lot you know there was a huge hue and cry about that uh, some um, influential members of the community actually went to the press and uh, criticized it you know but but the thing is the community the Christian community in, in that area uh, defended the Muslims' right to have mm -hmm. a, a better place for praying. So, mm -hmm. can you just 
can you just imagine that? Uh, you know, Muslims having to pray in in the parking lot. So such a far cry from your story about being able to pray in the basement. But you know, Ayu, there are extreme fundamentalist uh, religious leaders who would prefer that Muslims pray in the parking lot than praying in a Christian church. And I, I think that's something that, you know, uh, peace builders have to start uh, you know, debating, right? Because what's wrong with it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think um, since you mentioned about that, it, it, it got me thinking, and this is something as well that I... So I, I started an organization that's called Sabang Maroke, which is a student exchange program. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea is that so that the students from from uh, students will have an opportunity to stay and interact with family who have uh, different ethnicities and religion throughout mm -hmm. the school holiday, so that they experience diversity. Because I believe that if we have experienced being a minority yes. either we travel away from our home country where usually we are in the majority but uh, bubbles yes. mm -hmm. we we have more empathy and once we have more empathy we see these people who are different right we see these people as a fellow human being whom we understand that we might someday be in their situations. And we understand that we would love to be able to treat it kindly, right? So that we understand that we need to treat them kindly. Yes. To so travel is important. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing that uh, we are seafarers from Southeast Asia were used to travel. This discussion, Ayu, about uh, what, what our communities are doing, about social cohesion, about tolerance, about uh, laying the foundation for peace, it's really critical in this day and, uh, and age. And what you're doing, especially reaching out to young people to get them invested, to get them engaged in the the work of uh, of peace building, it's something that really should be replicated, not just in Indonesia but uh, all over Southeast Asia, because we have the biggest population of young people mm -hmm. in the world, right? How would you how would you propose to your government that uh, we really have developed a platform supporting uh, young? Peace builders, are you? Hmm. So th there has been several um, programs in Indonesia um, created both by the CSOs and the government to enable these young peace builders. Um, and, and the result is usually very life-changing mm. um, because even among these young young people right they sometimes they have the intuitions that i need to be peaceful that i need to promote peace building but sometimes when they are experiencing something when they are, for example, interacting with people who are different, when they started to work together with people who are different, when they started to be exposed to um, uh, various intolerance acts around the world. And then they truly then can see, oh my God, my intuition was right. Mm -hmm. And so this program actually turns their intuitions into a fire that enable them to then carry forward the spirit they want to they want to be they want to be a peace builder mm -hmm. and they continue to be active in various platforms in 
in the CSOs or they're becoming part of the government, you know, um, or they carry that into their, their daily lives, either they are a teacher or whatever. And, and what I would propose is that this kind of platforms needs to be continued, uh, needs to be expanded, not just in Indonesia, but also in, 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 in all over um, ASEAN and, and even all over the world, you know. Mm -hmm. um, because we talked a little bit before that travels is important because it's not just about, you know, taking nice pictures in a nice place. But right. most importantly, it is interacting with people who are different. And understand mm -hmm. that different doesn't mean I'm better and you're worse, that I'm more right and you are more wrong. Um, having, having this kind of platforms will give a good base for these young people who already have that intuition yes. Yes. to then start to work together with people who have the same um, right. dreams, right? And right. facilitated by the CSOs, by the government, like, oh my God, like my intuition was right. And mm -hmm. now I can I can work together with all of this established intuition or even start my own and start it with my friends so that I don't mm -hmm. do this alone because you know that the journey of peace building can be tiring. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's where your meditation comes in. I was wondering if you could share with uh, our listeners your lessons learned, words of encouragement, so that they can really take a look at what they can do to right. help establish peace in their you know in, in their communities and peace in the world right right uh, first thing first is I think uh, for for us to create peace in the outer world we need to be able to create peace inside mm -hmm. so first thing for us is do the work inside mm -hmm. understand that each of us must have some trauma some um dissatisfaction about life or about someone or uh disappointment that have happened in the past but probably we still keep it somehow understand that and work on that because if we are if our mind is occupied with that mm. it's really difficult for us to be empathetic outside so first thing for us is do the work inside so that we can have peace in our heart and mind that's the first one the second one is um i think having the mindset that each of us have power mm. it's it's very easy to get discouraged in our journey because we think that, oh, you know, like who we are, we're just one person, you know, we are no one, we don't have these resources or we don't have this position or, you know, or we, we or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But each of us have power to change something. It can be just, you know, like the, the person we that we live with, our partner, or our children, or our nephews, or our, our or the people who are we are working with. And, and and giving examples that we can interact with people who are different and that we can not just happily accept them but also protect their rights it's already showing people around us what's the right thing to do so right. exercise that power because sometimes we forget that we are powerful yeah so exercise that power uh so i would leave that with, with those two things and i think that's very very doable um for for all of us and that should be the mantra of the the peace builder. Wow, Ayu, you, you've certainly given us a lot to think about. You know, dear listeners, uh, the the Catholic Church in my country, they had this song that they really love uh, singing at, at gatherings, which peace the peace uh, organization started to use. And it goes, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me and this i think I really yeah 
Yeah, I, I'll sing it to you sometime, but not not okay. now. Not now. Oh, disappointing. We will lose our audience. <laughs> but you know that um, that song sort of uh, really focuses attention on uh, the lessons that uh, IU has been discussing this this past uh, hour. How you have the power, even if you're only one. How. You have to go and deal first with your inner self and uh, work on your conflicts. Let there be peace in yourself before you can address peace in your communities. And when you do that, and when we get to know each other, all of us who are trying to have peace in our communities, then you've got to be mindful, right? Are you mindfulness mm-hmm. counts? We listen to each other because only then can we appreciate each other's situations and then start developing a socially cohesive uh, community. Thank you so much, Ayu, for for joining us in this conversation. We should do this again. Thank you and very you much for having me. And yes, and definitely. What you can do is you can teach us how to do meditation and how to do uh, mindfulness uh, exercises. <laughs> so, my dear listeners, thank you so much for joining us. If you have questions, comments, or ideas about future episodes, do send us an email. Or if you want to know more from IU about mind, uh, mindfulness, send us an email at shetalkspeacepodcast at gmail.com. Let me repeat that. She talks peace podcast at gmail.com. She talks peace is now on social media. So give us a follow at she talks peace on both Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. This is Amina Rasul from Manila saying bye and see you again next week. Bye. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.